Welcome to the Jack and John podcast. I'm Jack. And I'm John. And we're on a mission. To help you focus on Christ. Jack, I'm really enjoying this march through the book of Mark. Uh, I just I just love it. Well, we're on chapter 8, and we're going to get right to it today. Um, I'm going to jump in here and read, uh, starting in the first verse. Um, we'll just read this first section. And I'm again, I'm reading from the, the New Living Translation. About this time, another large crowd had gathered, and the people ran out of food again. Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days, and they have nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way, for some of them have come a long distance. I think it's interesting, Jack, that they've been here three days, because so many of the the stories preceding this, you know, like the the woman with the little girl that had the demon, you know, he's in that house. He's there one day. And, and after he does that, it says, and they left from there. And and so most of the places he's going, it's just like he's there for like a day or part of a day and then moving on. But here it says he's been with these folks for three days. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. His disciples replied, how are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here here in the wilderness? You know, and this is where Jesus just wants to smack them upside the head. <laughs> Jesus asked, how much bread do you have? Seven loaves, they replied. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves, thanked God for them, and broke them into pieces. He gave them to his disciples who distributed the bread to the crowd. A few small fish were found, too, so Jesus also blessed these and told the disciples to distribute them. They ate as much as they wanted. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There were about 4,000 men in the crowd that day, and Jesus sent them home after they had eaten. Immediately after this, he got into a boat with his disciples and crossed over to the region of Dalmanutha. I'm not sure I said that right, but <laughs> well, let me let me uh, kind of share a couple of obvious things here. Uh, the differences between the feeding of the five thousand and the feeding of the four thousand. Do you remember why he fed the five thousand? He says specifically why he fed the five thousand a couple of chapters earlier. You know what it is. They were like sheep, sheep without a shepherd. Without a shepherd. Yeah. So they were leaderless. Yeah. And that, he said they he he fed them for they were like sheep without a shepherd. He doesn't say that here. He just feeds them out of his compassion, because basically all he says here is that they were hungry. They're hungry. I'm going to feed them, and uh, that shows the compassion of Jesus. Which I think that's what Mark is doing here uh, through these stories. Is he's been showing the compassion of Jesus to a Syrophoenician woman and now to these 4,000 people. Second thing is, look at these disciples, okay? Uh, Jesus has compassion on the 4,000 people. Did the disciples? Yeah. No. And how do we know? They asked the question yeah. that showed they didn't have any compassion. Right. How are we supposed to feed it, Exactly. People? That's not my problem, you know? Yeah, not my problem. <laughs> not my job. <laughs> Rather than looking at Jesus saying to themselves, he can feed them. He fed the 5,000. He's not going to have any problem. You know, they probably should have in faith said, hey, here's what we've got. 
multiply it, Jesus. We'll, we'll give it out. You know, mm. they, if they'd have been on top of it and if they'd had compassion. If you'd have been prepared, you would have exactly, brought your own food. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so Jesus is doing this spiritual thing, John. Right. And they are in the physical. They are stuck sure. in the physical. And this is going to continue for a few of these stories that Mark's going to tell us. And you're going to be able to see that. Yeah, I'm guessing that these guys probably did bring enough food with them for maybe a day. Yeah, you but know? they were with them for And then they, they stretched it out for maybe two days. Yeah. Um, it, it makes me think of a, a very humbling experience for me. Um, you know, years ago, they had the, the WWJD bracelets, and you still occasionally see those. You know, what would Jesus do? Um, and honestly, the reason I quit wearing it is because I, I saw a patient one time, and I thought, well, if I was Jesus, this guy wouldn't have to keep coming to see me with all of these problems because I'd just fix it. I'd just fix it. But a story that came to mind when we're reading this is he's talking about how they're going to faint if they leave and go home. We have a hard time grasping this kind of thing because in our culture, you know, you, you could pack 4,000 people up into Deer Creek or Ruoff Mortgage, you know, home concert center, whatever they want to call it. You know, you could pack a bunch of people into a, a concert, all right? And it's not a big deal. They all bring their own food. There's concession. You know, when it's time to leave, everybody gets in their cars and they drive. Okay. Not in this culture, not in this time period. They didn't have concession. Um, they didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have a vehicle to get them there. Everybody walked. They walked. Okay. And I'm reminded of a time when I was in this little village in Honduras and we had set up a medical clinic uh, in this church, and they had got the word out and let people know that we were going to be there, um, you know, days ahead of time. And you know, we saw a lot of people and all kinds of different things. And and the 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 heartache is when you see stuff that you know maybe here I could really do something, mm -hmm. but there I've got limited resources and. Um, I can only do so much. Actually, you have an unlimited resource. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, here, you know, or you know, even if I can't do it, I've got a specialist I can send them to, you know. Yeah. Well, we had this woman who had walked two and a half hours to get there. Now, it probably wasn't really a two and a half hour walk. She just didn't have the stamina to make a 45 minute or one hour walk in 45 minutes or an hour. And this woman, by the time she got to us, she was ready to faint. I kind of picture that sort of thing with this in terms of, you know, the person fainting because he knows what's going on. He knows that this lady over here has got some heart failure. Uh, he knows that this guy's got a bad hip. I mean, Jack, yeah. imagine if you had to walk Ooh. home. It would take me a while, believe me. Yeah. yeah, or you'd sit down somewhere and then maybe get there the next day or yeah. somebody else would have to come along with a cart and, yeah. and help you. I mean, we take so much for granted that, mm -hmm. that these people are living. And so it's not just that they've got their hunger. They've got all of these needs. And he's healing, but did he heal all of them? Well, you know, probably not. I mean, there are some of these folks that probably went home with the same problem that they came with. We don't know. Um, 
But Jesus, if he had a weakness, it was compassion. <laughs> he couldn't help himself. If he saw a need, he, he met it. Well, I want to encourage everyone and myself as well with this encouragement is to be more like Jesus instead of like the disciples in this particular case. The question that I think the disciples should have been asking Jesus is how. The question right. that they keep asking him is why? And I see that a lot in our culture. I see people asking God why a lot. Why did you do this? Why don't you heal everybody in the world? Why uh, do good people die and suffer? Uh, why, 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 God? And uh, the disciples are kind of the same, same way here. They could have gone to him and said, hey, Jesus, here's an opportunity. There's 4,000 people that have been here for three days listening to your teaching and you taught them. How can we help them now? How are you going to fix this? How are you going to feed them, Lord? Show us with excitement of faith, believing he's going to do something to fix the problem instead of questioning him and doubting him and not believing that he really has the power to do anything. And to me, that's still where they are. Here. Mm. And what Jesus does is he sees the how. And he goes about the task of once again, in a similar manner, performing the miracle with what they have. He takes it, miraculously multiplies it, uses them to go to the people and minister to them, and then giving an abundance of food left over and everybody going home, not fainting, but full and satisfied. How? Maybe you can change your questions to how when you go to God in prayer tonight. God, how are you going to help me tomorrow? How are you going to fix this struggle in my life? How are you going to break in to my darkness? How are you going to bring your light today? And I think that that's a, a matter of faith. So I encourage you with that. I would add to that prayer to, um, can you bring your compassion into my heart? Um, can you make me the kind of disciple mm -hmm. who's going to look on these people, mm -hmm. not with contempt, but, right. not with, uh, you know, but with compassion? Um, that's that's a daily struggle. Um, and, um, you know, compassion is part of my job. But there are times when uh, it, it's difficult because it doesn't spring forth for me the way that I want it to. Because some people are difficult. <laughs> um, yeah, how do you be compassionate with, with someone that's difficult? Well, and, and you know, it, it doesn't really talk about Jesus necessarily being compassionate with the Pharisees. I mean, maybe he was, but he always took a stern approach with them. Um, and maybe it, it speaks to, you know, where our heart is. Are we receptive to him? Um, are, do we recognize that we need him? I mean, that's part of what's going on here. These people are following after Jesus because there's something desperate that they need. And part of it is they need healing. Um, but ultimately what they, he wants them to see is that it's not the healing that you need. It, it's me.
He wants Amen. us to see that, it, that it's him that we need. Um, and he's the one who fills us and leaves us with more than we could have asked for, uh, with an abundance, um, when we feast on him. Um, and I think that's you know part of the whole story that he's trying to convey here as, as he's marching towards his own uh, crucifixion, burial, and resurrection. Um, speaking of a miraculous sign, like raising from the dead, let's read on in <laughs> chapter 8, verse 11. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came and started to argue with him. Testing him, they demanded he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. Wait a minute. <laughs> he just fed 4,000 people. I mean, they've been watching him heal person after person after person. Isn't that amazing? Here's, here's the, the best part. When he heard this, he sighed he, again. He sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why do these people keep demanding a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth. I will not give this generation any such sign. So what's he saying there, though? Because he's given them all kinds of sign. Uh, yeah, exactly. And you think about it, that challenge to give them a sign, to give into that, would negate the miracles. Yeah. The importance of the miracles. See, yeah. You see what I mean? There's something more important than the miracles that he's performed. No. And they don't see that. I think it's amazing that what they're doing here is they're challenging his power. They're challenging his character. You know, the character of Jesus. And they're kind of challenging uh, his authority uh, to be able to preach and teach and his authority to forgive sin and the fact that he was showing who he was through the miracles themselves. Right. There's not a further sign. Uh, folks, look at the miracle of a changed life. Uh, that's a, an amazing miracle that God performs on a daily basis. They were challenging reality. They were. They yeah. were. The, Jesus, with, with nothing else other than Casting out a demon remotely with the word of his mouth. That established him as the son of David, the son of God, the beloved son, the one who had authority even over demons. Um, that would have been enough to tell anyone in the ancient world, this guy is from God. We've got to believe what he says. Um, and I think that's what he means when he's talking about the Pharisees blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Because the Holy Spirit is speaking the truth of God in everything he does. And they see it and still deny it and challenge it and test it. And one of the warnings here is um, Mike gives a devotion tomorrow. And he gave me a precursor to his devotion. Uh, go on Mount Pleasant. Uh, Mount Gilead. Mount, sorry, Mount Gilead. That's where I ministered for many years. That's why that came out. Uh, Mount Gilead um, 
website and tomorrow morning and see his uh, his thing on the leaven of the Pharisees. Yeah. And uh, what the leaven is. And that's what's going on, I believe, today. And I'm going to give you a warning of false teachers and mm. false prophets that we've got in this land today. People who are on the TV, people who are uh, prosperity people, who are uh, saying that they have this gift of prophecy and and will give you a sign of these things. This is this is leaven. This is a, a false per- person, a false teacher. And Jesus d- is really warning us against these kind of people. I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't do miracles. I believe he does miracles every day. If he wants to heal, he can heal. He can do what he can and what he will. But um, I think we need to be careful that we don't get into a false teaching based on someone who says that they'll give you a sign because Jesus didn't give a sign. He, he is the sign. Right. And that's, that's what we need to realize. I think I I went into um, a a Christian, we'll just say Christian bookstore um, a while back. And, um, I got to tell you, Jack, I just had such a bad feeling when I was in that store. And the reason that I got the bad feeling is just the things I'm seeing. Uh, I'm walking past all of these these books that they're really not about drawing you closer to Christ. They're really not about helping you engage with the scripture. I mean, they had Bibles in there. That section was fine. But the Bibles are like at the back of the store. You had to walk past all this other stuff. And so, so many of these books that I saw and so many of the little plaques and pictures and quotes and all this stuff, it was just warm, fuzzy, make you feel good, self-help kind of things. And it just felt yeah. wrong. Right. It is wrong. You know, I think, you know, we talk about trying to apply the scripture to your life, and I think that's important. But I think one of the things that we really need to concentrate on today as Christians is we need to apply ourselves to the scripture. You know, instead of plucking verses and looking for nuggets that, you know, can oh help me or benefit me. You know, we've talked about this before, like the Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and you know, I know the plans I have for you, plans to, to prosper you, not to harm you. And we we pluck that little verse out of context and make it a feel good verse without understanding what the verse really means sure. and what it speaks Absolutely. to us. Absolutely. Because what that verse really says to us is, when life is harming you, when you're not prospering. God is still there. Absolutely. He's still in you. And uh, yeah, we, we don't want to be like these disciples that harden our hearts against Jesus because he's not giving us the miracle that we wanted. You know, well, we prayed and he didn't answer that prayer the way yeah. we wanted yeah. him to. Whoa. You know, um, and, and it, it is a valid question. You know, I was reading uh, God, God is Not Great uh, by Christopher Hitchens. And, uh, you know, everything's a small G God with, with him. And, and none of the book was about God. <laughs> All of the book was about people who say they believe in God or follow God and what they've done. 
Okay, and, and, but one of the arguments that, that comes out of that, and you'll read it in Richard Dawkins' stuff too, is like, oh yeah, so Jesus heals a blind man. Why not heal blindness? You know, you said, you said that. Yes. Um, here's the reality. He's going to. Right. He's going to heal it all. He demonstrated in these little nuggets that he's got the power over any element. He's got the power over demons. He's got the power over life. And death. Is he going to heal death? Is he going to eliminate death? Yes. He is. Um, he's not going to do it necessarily in the way that, that you and I dream it up or the way that we see it. But we know that he is. Through the things he's told us, through the signs that he's given us in his life, through his word, through the testimony of the saints, through the fact that his disciples all carried this truth to their death and died because of it. Back uh, in the day, one of my yeah. favorite uh, Christian artists was Carmen. Right. And Carmen was kind of a storyteller. So I liked his stories. And he's got a, a song on one of his CDs. I know you don't have CDs anymore, but uh, the seventh heaven, I think it is, or something like that. But it's a recitation. It's uh, several minutes long. And it, it goes through as if this Christian dies. So it starts in the emergency room with loud noises, code blue, code blue, you know. And then it goes to this um, lovely heavenly music. And it's as if his spirit leaves his body, he dies, and he goes to heaven. And then the rest of the song is biblically describing through the book of Revelation and other passages what heaven looks like. And Carmen does this beautiful job of, you know, the gates of pearl and the streets of gold and the throne of God and the elders there and the angels and the seraphim and, and seeing all this stuff. And he's looking and he's seeing it. And then he feels the presence of someone and might, you get goosebumps when he says, and then I turned and I saw the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, my Savior, my friend, and I fell down upon him and, and he said to me, you know, stand up for here because my grace. And I wanted to tell you that uh, you have been faithful and your friends have been faithful and they've been praying for you that you wouldn't die, but that you would live on. And so I have chosen to grant their wish and I'm going to send you back into your body. And he says, no, <laughs> don't do that. If they could only see, if they could only be here with you in your presence, mm. they wouldn't ask for me to come back. And it puts a different perspective on death. And we need to see that perspective uh, through faith that it was sad to me for Lazarus and the daughter of um, Jairus. Uh, Jairus and, the, and these people that are resurrected from the dead, if their spirit is in the presence of God, the reason they were resurrected from the dead was to glorify God and maybe to, to be a blessing to the mom and dad of Jairus' Jairus's wife. Certainly not for the little girl, no. see? And uh, we need to get that perspective when we're looking at our problems and struggles through an earthly mindset, because that's what the disciples are doing. That's what the Pharisees are doing. That's what these people are doing. And Jesus is trying to talk spiritually and give them a deeper lesson and more truth about what eternal life is all about. And they're just missing it. 
because we can't go into the eternal. We can't see that because our vision is stuck on ourselves and on the present and on the temporal instead of the eternal and on God. So Beautifully and powerfully said, Jack. <laughs> that is so true. Uh, Jesus is the eternal, eternal truth. Eternal truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And he is our daily sustenance. Um, and I'm just so thankful for that. Amen. Um, guys, we're going to save the rest of this for next time because I think that is a great place to, to let you just keep thinking about it. Um, we truly want our words to help you, to help us, to help your friends focus on Jesus. Um, it doesn't take five seconds to take a look at this world and see what an absolute mess that it's in. And uh, this world is not the end for us. This is temporal stuff. Jesus is our end goal. Amen. We want to be with him. Amen. So thanks for joining us. Um, you know, if you're enjoying the podcast, you know, share it with your friends. Tell somebody about it. Um, we appreciate that, not because we need accolades or we need a big fan base or anything. I mean, we could advertise and promote and try and do that kind of stuff. That is not what we're about. Um, I don't ever want us to be monetized because too many pastors, too many speakers, too many podcasters, they get sucked into this thing um, that I don't want us to be sucked into. Right. Because this isn't about me and Jack. I mean, this is truly about us wanting to focus on Christ. And um, we're going to just trust His Holy Spirit to use it the way that, that He wants to. And if that's just helping me and Jack get closer to Jesus and Mike um, and our other two listeners, uh, <laughs> it's good. that'd be great. Hey, we love you guys. Thank you so much. Um, we'll see you next time.